This is the Visionary Collective podcast, helping visionary, purpose-led entrepreneurs and leaders come together to activate their biggest visions and have the unshakable confidence to build a successful and fulfilling life and business that makes a difference in the world. I'm Lisa Mitchell, and I'll be sharing everything you need to create the foundations and growth to build your legacy. You know you are here to do something bigger as part of the Visionary Collective. So welcome to this episode, and I am delighted to welcome Joe today, Joe Boston, who's a property developer and accountability coach. Welcome, Joe. Hi, Lisa. Thanks for having me. It's nice to be here with you. You are very welcome. So Joe is the joint founder and director of GMBH Developments, a UK property development company specializing in creative refurbishment and conversion of existing unloved commercial buildings into beautiful homes. So I know Joe and I know each other through various kind of groups that we've been in and coaching circles and things like that. So I know some of your story, Joe, and I know it's going to really inspire the audience. So I'd love to just hear, how did you come to be a property developer? What's the story? <laughs> I didn't just wake up one day and decide I'm going to do property, but it has always been something that I've loved ever mm. since I was a really small girl. And I remember being literally tiny girl with my, I used to have a Cindy house. Do you remember those? Yeah, I, I do. Lots of plays with Cindy still. Barbies. Barbies, Barbies in our house. Yeah. I had one of those Cindy houses and I just, I spent all of my time playing with that, decorating it, doing the thing with the, with the interior of this Cindy house. And I used to draw stuff all the time as well. I loved art. In fact, I thought I was going to be an artist and I, that's my direction was art actually. And it used to be that I would always find myself drawing spaces. So it took quite a long time to join those dots up. I didn't always know that was the case. And I did a degree in design. I started doing art. I sort of transferred it into design and it became about spaces that way. When I left university, I had quite a generic design degree, but I got my first job within an architecture practice as an interior designer. And we specialised in healthcare design. So we would do quite big healthcare, you know, massive hospitals down to quite small healthcare facilities. It was very specifically about well-being, about designing for people to heal. And I didn't expect to, but I really loved it. I really, Mm. really, really found that fascinating. And all the research there is around, you know, how you can create physical responses in the body through the way that you design environments. And so kind of that's where it started with the kind of whole, that's how I got into spaces and design. But I still always knew that I wanted to do development. I wanted to do my own projects that weren't just my home, because obviously inherently you get into, you know, refurbishing your house and buying something old and doing it up and stuff, but more meaty than that. And so, you know, I went through a career of design, you know, 20 years or so doing interior design. And then it transitioned. It was healthcare and it was education and it was always public sector type work until I got to the point where I had kind of a a lightning bolt moment. But I realised that I had to do something else. I had to do something different. I wanted to do development. How could I make that stepping stone? How could Mm. I jump from that to that? And the tradition, the transition around that was was to do with my son, was to do with, you know, I had a son, I had a small child and I wanted to spend more time with him than I was. Isn't it fascinating? Like, because I often say to people that the germ of what you really are here to do is there from the beginning, right? So even mm-hmm. when you were playing with your Cindy houses, even when, you know, you had a thing about spaces and creating it and being artistic and all of those things. So even though we don't see all the joining up of the dots, isn't it fascinating that that was there right from the beginning? Yeah, yeah. 
It really is fascinating. And I guess you don't see that when you're young and when you're doing go through those those processes. But I, I suppose this is the thing about, you know, you think about this when you've got children and you're trying to guide them, but it's to help encourage them to follow the path of the things they love. Yes. And then ultimately the path will happen in a way that means that they have that kind of fulfillment and they can see where the seeds started kind of in life. You can't really, I guess that's how I kind of deal with my son and him going forward. But yeah, hopefully my parents encouraged that in me because it would have been, you know, I do remember conversations about, you know, you want to do art. Okay. Well, you know, are you going to be able to earn any money doing that? Well, yeah. But they encouraged me to, to follow those pursuits that I loved. Yeah, which is amazing. I can't imagine my dad's face if I'd said I was going to pursue art. <laughs> definitely, <laughs> definitely would not have washed. <laughs> my parents were creative, both creative people. Okay, you. so it's in your genes somewhere in, too. In a way, yeah, in their own ways, not in the, not you know quite so literally, but they both have that, so they could see the importance of it. I guess. Yes. Yeah. So, how did you get into doing this thing that you're doing now, converting buildings and creating beautiful spaces? How did that business start? So, like I said, I had a kind of moment. I had a young child. He was about five, about five. He just started school. And I realized that although I had a pretty good job and I was earning pretty good money, I didn't really see any of that money at the end of the month, right? Because he was being looked after by everybody else. Childminders, all the things, picking him up from school, sending him to bed, taking him to the childminder. I mean, it's awful. I didn't see him. And then when I did see him, I felt really restricted in my life because I felt I couldn't you know afford to do things with him and it was really horrible and I remember just standing there one day and I just was like I have got to find another way there's got to be something else Mm. I know what I want to do but how the hell I mean I have no money how the hell am I going to ever do you know property of any kind other than what I live in I just don't get it and I started (laughs) literally googling like you know how do well, how does one become a property investor? My job, this kind of stuff. And I decided that the easiest thing for me to do was to get out and do some networking, which I was terrified about. But I, you know, networking groups there's quite a few locally, which were property orientated. But to go with the guys of, you know, I've got this background in interior design. I've done that for years. I know all about that. I'm working. You know, I can network with people who are putting buildings together for other people, and there's a synergy there. Because it's known that if you're renting something or selling something, that if you make it more beautiful, people will pay more and blah, blah, blah. Like all of that stuff is known. So I can help with that. I can help people with that. So I, that was kind of the the hat that I put on when I went out networking, but it was kind of more of a stealth fact finding thing, meeting people and like just kind of fight, just kind of get a name in there and get my name around and stuff. And I eventually, I did meet a a chap and got to know him a bit. And it turned out that he had launched a a mentorship program and it coincided with me deciding in 2019 that I was going to stop my job. Mm. I had had enough. I was really, I was quite ill. I didn't really realize how gully I was until I stopped it. And it coincided with them launching this mentorship program in development, specifically commercial to residential development, which is what we specialize in. And he said, did I want to join? And I went, yes, I do want to join. <laughs> it was yeah, really a little, little, little gift from the universe there for it you. It totally was. It was really, it really was. So I grabbed onto that. That was a year's program learning. I was confident about the on-site stuff, like when once you got to site, but it was all the first bit. It was the how to procure something competently, understanding what to look for, the planning side of it, the, the procurement of a team side of it, the finance and all of that bit that I wanted to learn. 
And I did learn through this. And in this program, I also met Michelle, who's my business partner. Mm. And we kind of, we got to the other end of that. We both knew that this is what we wanted to do. I was busy looking for stuff and I kept finding these kind of opportunities. And she'd said to me, you know, come and talk to me if you find anything, because don't let money be the thing that puts you off because I might be able to help. And she'd been working independently with some people who were interested in investing. Mm. So when I did find something that I thought was a goer, I started talking to her about it and we kind of moved forward together and created this JV partnership, which became our development. We currently are just tailing off, just finishing practical completion this week. And yeah, we want to work together going forward again. So it's become a really nice, a really lovely business partnership, actually. We work really well together. Yeah. Yeah. I love that story because it's kind of like, I'm sure there are lots of people listening who are like, you know, I really want to do something. I want to do something different, but I have no idea how I'm going to do it. And that's always true, isn't it? When we take a leap, we sort of go, well, hold on a minute. I don't want to do this, definitely. I kind of know I want to do something over there, but how the hell do I bridge that gap? But you have to take action, right? If you hadn't gone to that networking, you wouldn't have met Michelle. You wouldn't have been, you wouldn't be on the path you're on now, right? There's lots of moments where, yeah, you have to have had to have taken action. You know, like I could, I was offered a mentorship and I could have gone, oh God, no, that's way too scary. Because it was, because it was all outside of my comfort zone. I felt massive imposter syndrome all the time. So it would have been easy for me to go, no, I don't think I'm quite ready for that yet. You know, when Michelle said to me, you know, come and talk to me again, I could have just gone, oh, I'm not sure. You know, I don't know. Can we, you know. Have I got something decent here? I'm not sure whether I should, you know, all of these Yeah, things. yeah, yeah. And so, yeah, each time. I mean, I think there's an element of people sometimes want everything to be, all the lights to be green to yes. take a step. And I think tapping into your intuition can help with this. Like it's not always, the, the lights aren't always going to be green, but if you, I'm not saying take stupid risks, but line it all up and then kind of, you know, kind of you have to take that leap of faith. Mm. And sometimes it doesn't work and you have to go, okay, that didn't work, right. I need to think again. And to be honest, throughout our development project, we've had a lot of of those kind of, it's never been a linear process. It's always been, obviously, we know we're we're here. We know we're going there. (laughs) There's been a lot of tacking Mm. (laughs) on the route, but I think that's how you have to think about it. You know, okay, I'm not going to let that slight setback put me off this. Yes. I can see another, let's find another way. We've got to find another way. Yeah. So I would say that to people who want to make a change and, and don't feel quite brave enough. And I love what you said, you kind of find, you find a point of confidence enough, right? Yeah. So I'm an interior designer, so that sort of makes sense. So I can, I can move in this circle because I know something, right? I know enough to add value, mm. but really knowing there was more that you wanted to do. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, don't underestimate the mindset shift that has to happen there. And it's been huge. And each time I can almost pinpoint the day where I had the shift because, and it's usually because someone's pointed something out as well. They've gone like, I I remember with um, we were having a conversation with a mentor of ours about something on the project and we were going, oh, we're trying to do this. We're trying to do that. You know, the language. And he, he said, can I just stop you? You're not trying to do anything. You've done it. Yeah. (laughs) You're doing it. And we both were like, it took us a good couple of days. We were both like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, we are. Because, yeah, it's a big, it's that kind of all the time expanding, growing, shifting. And this is not a small development for those who are listening, right? This isn't like take a one-bedroom flat and develop it. This, this was a major project to take on. It was ambitious. <laughs> <laughs> so it's going to be how many? So it's a commercial building that you're converting into. Yeah. Many? So it's it was actually two commercial buildings, which are side by side, like a terrace. 
so they lended themselves to working together as one kind of building because they've got that kind of gable end at the back. They are now 11 flats, so mm. 10 one-bath flats and one two-bed flat at the back on the top, which was a new build across the top. So, yeah, I mean, it probably would have been quite a big jump to have done five or six units, but no, we like we liked the challenge, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but this was because opportunities opened up again. Yes. One was on the market and we saw the one, the one building, which would have been five units. And we offered on that building and our offer wasn't compelling enough. So, okay, bit gutted, we'll find something else. And then because we were in dialogue with the agent, the agent came back and said, we're actually measuring up for next door. It's pretty much, you know, identical. Are you interested? So immediately we said, yes, yeah, we're interested. We'll come in and have a look. We offered on that one and we're accepted on that one. And the whole way through that process, we're kind of thinking, I wonder what they're going to do with it next door. Because we don't really want them to keep it as commercial if we're doing resi. Like, let's see if we can find out. So every kind of time we touched in with the agent, we're going, what's happening? What's happening next door? And eventually they went, oh, it's, it's all fallen out of bed. It's not happening. So Michelle immediately went, well, we'll have it. We'll have it. <laughs> and it's kind of like, okay, <laughs> okay. But, you know, that opportunity that gave us, you know, the opportunity to not just create 10 units, but to put this another one on the top, which was brilliant. Mm. Just again, just kind of grabbing those little things when they come along and not sitting on them for too long and procrastinating. Yes. And again, taking the leap of faith, you know, mm. kind of like, okay, we don't know how that's going to happen right now, but we're not going to let the opportunity go. So we're going to go for it. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I can still feel the terror. <laughs> <laughs> well, but it's calculated terror, isn't it? Because yes. we've done all the due diligence. So we knew we weren't just saying, yeah, we'll have something. And we didn't understand the risk involved. The projects that we take, that we're looking to take on in the future and this project that we've just taken on now is a, a permitted development. Okay, so it's permitted development is a less onerous route to planning, which is more mitigated in terms of risk. We knew that we had an investor who had the potential funds to help us with something else. So we had a great team ready to go. So we had like the bits in place. We didn't just... Running in there and you know not thinking about it at all, but it was but the risks were kind of mitigated, and so we felt yeah. that we were okay to take that step. Yes, yes. So tell me a little bit about your bigger vision, Joe. Like, like why why property development? What what drives you in this in this area that you're working in? Well, it goes back to that kind of previous story a bit, I think, because I've done a bit of unpicking of this and the reason that I love spaces, transformation of spaces, is because of the impact it can have on people. Mm. And I guess it comes from kind of my, I've got real interest in well-being and mental health and mental well-being and kind of looking after yourself and personal growth and all of those things. And it all kind of coincides into kind of property in a very practical way. And when I worked on all those healthcare projects, I was learning about the physical body, bodily response from good design within a building, you know, in its simple things like having enough light, mm. having a view of some greenery outside in the sky, for example, because those things keep your, your, your you know, your circadian rhythm in check and then therefore help your sleep pattern and then your hormones are balanced and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And it all kind of literally has a knock-on effect. So it is really tangible and physical. Yes. And obviously we're working with existing buildings. We want to work with existing buildings going forward, which does pose us some problems because there's structured air that's existing. But I kind of like the challenge of that. How can I take that that is an unloved you know, fairly derelict thing and make it into this thing, which 
other people can really benefit from. Yeah. They may not realise that they are, but I know that that's what I'm doing. Yes. Our current development was great. We had, it was Victorian, so it had massive great windows in, in one half of it and also views out over some green parkland and trees on the other side. And it just felt, you know, you could just imagine feeling happy and comfortable and, and enjoying a life in those buildings. So they're yeah. not massive flats, but you don't, that doesn't necessarily need to be a thing. No. Um, providing outside space. Maybe it's a balcony, maybe it's a little garden or something. Maybe community as well, because I think with the way that we kind of have just been through the pandemic that we've just been through, people are re-looking at, still re-looking and adjusting the way that they kind of live, work and play. And people have also realised that they need community. Mm. I'm so isolated. And I don't think I don't think it matters what age you are either. I think that goes across all age ranges. Yeah. From, you know, new people, new starters in houses are out of college, you know, young 20s and 30s, married families, you know, whatever, through to older people. And all of those factors I can I can influence with mm. stuff that we're working on. But there's a, a bit in there for me about environmental impact as well, which I know is a, you know, everyone says this, but I think it's important. We're using existing buildings. For, that's one of the reasons why I like that. Yeah. Because those structures are already built. All that energy's already gone in there to build them. We're repurposing. And what can we do going forward, whether we sell units or retain units, to make them really comfortable and easy for someone to run? Like just because you're in a rented property, why do you have, why does it have to cost you a fortune? I don't know about you, but how many rented places have you lived in in your life where it's been like, oh my God. Absolutely. Horrible. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. And not and not and not functional like you say I mean this is something I've lived in you know more space in the last three years than I've lived in the whole of my life you know for (laughs) personal reasons and it's been so fascinating to me it's really made me realize how important my environment is to me Mm -hmm. I I didn't know that I mean I like nice things I like you know I know that that sense of beauty around me is really important yeah I think having lived in a variety of places it's really become clear to me how important it is that the environment supports me and it feels like the energy's right in it and it you know as you say it's got light and greenery and it's you know it it functions well you you can sort of feel when it functions well can't you yeah you can do and and if you've got the right people there around you, I mean, obviously, I'm, I have a background of interior design, but I have to say that I have done some work on the interior design of our current development, life specifications and stuff like that. But my, you know, we have a team around us that we have chosen who are specialists in what we want to do. And so we've got specialist people who are specialists in thinking out of the box with these types of buildings and providing us, you know, getting us to the point where the, you know, I can give them whatever our aspirations are for specification and they can make that happen. But it shouldn't be the design and that sense of quality that you have just mentioned there, because that's what it is. Quality of thought around the way that something functions and how it works. It shouldn't be something that we don't expect. Mm. Just expect mm. it. Yeah. I read I was reading the vision on your website earlier. Okay. Um it said everyone deserves to live in beautiful, functional, quality spaces. Mm. And that's a very simple statement, isn't it? Mm. But how many people don't? <laughs> or there's like a lower level of I'll just, you know, buy this property, you know, paint it white and chuck somebody in there. Mm. And that's good enough. You know, yeah. and what does that create for you know, for ourselves and our children in terms of what we experience and what's possible. So it's really interesting, isn't it? How it's like one piece of the jigsaw, if it's not right, could have a bigger impact on people's lives. Yeah, I think so. And then you find people moving, you know, 
people move house for all sorts of reasons, don't you? But sometimes I think there's some fundamental things about that that if they were different, you maybe would feel less unsettled and less needing to move. Mm. And and I get it. Some people don't have the vision, and some people will never think about it. They'll never think about it. They never realise that that's what the thought process was that went into creating that thing that they're living in. But that's okay because. I feel like my integrity is in t- intact because that's, yes. that was important to me and what I was providing and I've provided it. That's kind yeah. of my little legacy. Yeah. I suppose. And even if they don't know it consciously, then maybe they feel it without knowing why it feels nice. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? It feels nice. I don't know why, but it but it's because of the, the intention and the design and the, the functionality of the space, you know? Yeah. So what's, I'm intrigued by this whole thing about community because I've been feeling the same in my business and the work that I'm doing and that this whole work-life balance, hybrid working, all of that is still so much in flux now, isn't it? That yeah. It's still sort of sorting itself out. Yeah. What What's your sort of feel of where we're going in terms of living in community or, you know, what's what's happening in that space, do you think? Well, I think people have realised that maybe they've been missing something, mm. you know, because when you've been working, I mean, I, and I guess I've, I kind of was a bit ahead of the game with that by the fact that I was doing a very busy corporate thing and then I stopped. <laughs> and then I've had the chance to consciously restructure the way I live and work around what I want, right, which is a real luxury. And I'm very privileged mm. for that. And I'm very grateful that I've had that opportunity. But those of, those of us who haven't had that opportunity have had it forced upon them by you can't go into work anymore because we're everything's locked down, right? So you've got a bit at home. <laughs> and it's a bit of a rude shock if you're not ready. Yes. <laughs> but after a while of doing it, I think people are like, oh, yeah, no, actually, it's quite nice. I'm not running around like an absolute idiot tackling public transport and, you know, fighting people on the tube and all the things that we have taken for granted as being like part of life. And now they're kind of having to sort of think about, you know, some people have had to go straight back into work and some people have kind of, you know, like half gone back into work and half working at home. But that does change the way that you think about your space, particularly before you've never had to think about what, you know, working from home. Suddenly you've had to rig up a table in your lounge with the kids running around and, (laughs) you know, jumping on your lap and all those things. And community, I think, is, is super important part of that I don't know how that how that factors into our work going forward but I'd really like it to Mm. and whether that's to do with external community space somehow or a mixture of internal and external community space um, that just gives people somewhere where they can be with others or see others or just say hello to somebody that's all it needs to be sometimes isn't it just you've been stuck indoors all day on your computer and you haven't seen anybody yeah you just want to see a funny face. Yes. Yeah. And I, I was so conscious in lockdown of like, I was coaching some people in London who were living in flats in London, you know, and I was lucky enough to be living you know, with direct access to the countryside and in a nice home and all of those things, but not everybody had that. Right. No. And, you know, it's so fascinating to me now that I say that this is still sort of recalibrating, but I keep saying to organizations I'm working with, we're not going back to where we were because some people sort of say to me, oh, I wish we could just, I was like, that ship has sailed. <laughs> we're not going back. And now, interestingly, I think what's been created and it relates to your journey and mine is that now what I'm hearing and sensing in business is that people are kind of like, well, if I go into the office three days a week, I want to feel like it's worth it. I want to feel like it's got meaning and purpose, you know, and that, you know, it's worth sending my kids to a nanny because I get back later or so the whole dynamic of that 
employee employer thing has really changed. Yeah. And for me, I think because of where I come from, I think it's a positive change that people are kind of like, well, hold on a minute. I want to do something that I love. You know, I can't come in and do this if it means it's not worth it. Yeah. So I feel like there's a whole reevaluation of values and what we want in life. And, yeah. you know, which, which is fascinating from my business perspective and also yours, isn't it? I agree. Yeah, absolutely. And it makes life so much more meaningful, doesn't it? If you feel mm. that what you're doing is purposeful, the way that you're, you know, that you're spending your time as a person. Like, time is a massive driver for me. That's my highest commodity, I think, really. I still don't have it right, by the way. <laughs> still designing that. It's a working process. <laughs> huge it's, it's such a difference when I think back to where I was and I do kind of coach coach people a little bit now and you know I was like will you think about that think about how you engineer that time like what's important get those don't just do it and get back on another create another job and get on another sort of treadmill yes you know what what is important set up the boundaries from the start and then work with that and and it's always continually developing all the time Yes. Especially when you've got kids, because obviously that will, it's all the time of flux, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think we change and they change and it's a continual thing, isn't it? Because yeah. both you and Michelle, I think you were both single parents when you set up this business. Is that right? Or She was. I have a partner. But yeah, we both we both have got, well, well my son's 12 and her daughter's 18. Just right. 19. Right. 18. And that's a huge driver for both of us. Mm. I've already said mine was because I just knew uh, the time was slipping away. Like he was, and I didn't see him. They grow so fast. Because mm. because at that point in, that, in time where I made that decision, he was five. Right now he's 12. Yeah. I mean, it's chalk and cheese, isn't it? It's just, yeah. I know. Crazy. And he's at secondary school. And, you know, so he's, he, the, the, the level, everything is swapped around again. Michelle is her daughter and her are currently in, in the Alps because they spend half you know a lot of time there because their daughter does skiing and you know everything is, is sort of devised around how that works between the two of them so it's and that's hugely influenced me as well to see how she's kind of got that struck that balance and mm. made, made it work so that you know yeah they've got she's got a job that she's lo- loving doing a business that she's created that she's loving but equally she can she can do the stuff that's important for her daughter as well yes so it's been an influence for me yeah and you know this is the bigger movement I think that's going on right I really believe the big organizations won't necessarily exist in the future Mm. because I think freedom and you know the ability to consciously create what we want is becoming more and more of a driver you know I mean I think about how I was brought up versus how my daughter is being brought up like you know you can't believe that's only in one generation it's so different right But I think it's freedom, isn't it, ultimately, that we're trying to create? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's so interesting as well how it's moving. I mean, my son left his primary school last year and they had an end of year play and they'd all recorded little sort of snapshots and they'd all, they played these out through the play. And it was, he, he was recorded saying, I want to be, I want to have properties like my mummy because then I can go and do the things I want to do. Mm. Because he's made the link between, well, it's not passive income, but 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 between creating income in a different way that enables you to have the time you want to do the things that you love doing. Yes. So if I've done nothing else, <laughs> <laughs> put him like into that little path, his little head is, is processed yeah. that, which I think I'm really pleased about. 
Yeah. Well, it's interesting. We we had an interesting thing the other day where my daughter is also artistic, as you know, and also it's funny, very good at spaces, actually. So it's, I, I think she might go in that kind of direction. But she said somebody the other day, they said, what do you want to be? And she said, an artist. And interestingly, this person's response was, well, you know, artists like don't make any money. Yeah. I thought well, that's a very interesting thing uh-huh. to say to an 11-year-old child to start with. And she, without even blinking, she turned around and said, I'm going to make millions on crypto as well. So mm-hmm. I'll be fine, you know, but there's no doubt that she can make this thing work, awesome. you know. And I thought, <laughs> isn't that fascinating that now it's not doing one thing or another thing. It's like, well, I can have this going on, but I could also have this going on and this going on. I don't have to choose. Yeah, absolutely. That's a massive change, isn't it? If I think about how my brain worked when I was going through the whole, you know, university and choices of life thing. Yes. It had to be that one path. Yes. Never even occurred to me. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And again, so if that's true, then I want to, I want to be around, I want to be around artists, but then I also want to do my financial stuff. And I also want to do this. I also want to do that. Mm. And that's what's so fascinating. When I see people in business, the the people at the top are like, oh my God, these people, can they not just do that thing that I've asked them to do? (laughs) That's not how the kids' brains work anymore, right? No, no, it doesn't. So, you know, I think we all play our part in this jigsaw, this kind of evolution, don't we? Yeah. So what's, what's your next project? Do you know? I don't know yet what my next project is. The as you have pointed out, the the building that we've just been working on, which we're literally hopefully getting keys for next week, by the way. So we're really close now, but it's it has been a, a massive learning curve, mm. and it's taken like we've got a brilliant team, but even so, it's taken up quite a lot of headspace. Clearly, also the markets are kind of doing some things at the moment, and so it's created a little bit of an opportunity to kind of have a, you know a little bit of a breath. Mm. and to refocus on what's coming next but it will be the same kind of thing definitely want an existing building again something else in a similar vein permitted development kind of project because I like that mitigated risk planning risk and I like the transformation so yeah we're looking we're looking (laughs) and impacting on people's lives Right, people's lives. Yes, because all those things I've been talking about today. Each time you do, you do a you know a development. If you can just integrate a little bit more of that thinking into each one as you go, and the picture evolves. It might not be that you can do it all at once. Some things like you know invite the the kind of running costs of of buildings and kind of all the kind of environmental stuff can take quite a long time to get the right team in place to implement that in a practical way for you. So it's going to be probably a gradual process to kind of build that stuff in. But each time we do a development, it'd be great to be able to just suck a little bit more of that thinking in. Yeah. And I, d- I do wonder how things will evolve. You know, me and my friends have this joke, that we want to kind of buy a whole load of properties and all live in the same space. And then we can all help each other with childcare and, you know, not feel like we're little, we're, we're like individual units in boxes you know so I do wonder how it's going to evolve and I was I was saying to LRA the other day about buildings in London that have like swimming pools and gyms and all of that and she's like oh that sounds fantastic she said but I don't want to live in a flat though mummy so can we could we get houses and then we could have like a gym and a swimming pool and stuff in the middle and and it made me think about you I was thinking, yeah, that would yeah. be a good project, wouldn't it? Yeah, but it? isn't that brilliant? Because the other thing that I think people like the idea of, and, and it's possible now because you can work from anywhere in the world, right, pretty much, unless you're 
I don't know, a nurse or someone who has to be practical, doing practical stuff in your job. But if you're working from a desk, you can work pretty much anywhere in the world. And and that is massively appealing to those that like to travel, right? Yeah. In foreign climes. But then you've left something behind, haven't you? You've left a kind of building behind. Uh, so you want to, you maybe want to rent that out when you go. So that kind of, that's good. When you come back, you might not want a garden. You might not want, you know, yes. you might not want the, the ties of some of those things that you get with a standard house. And yet, and actually I'm back for a few months. I do want the gym. I do want to go to the gym, but I just don't, I want it to be easy. So a complex where somewhere, something within that, that, <laughs> nest of buildings that suite of buildings would be brilliant I saw a brilliant idea actually uh, it was on a tv program but there were three sisters living together in a building but like you were saying just now and it had a central courtyard which was their community courtyard mm. so they had a big dining table there it was outside this was abroad so they could eat outside but they had a big dining table there the kids could run about and there it was safe because it was contained by the buildings and on the other side of the buildings there's like a kind of small veranda private outside the space so you could go out privately and have your space away from your sister, your mad sisters, and yeah, yeah, <laughs> their kids and all the things. But you had both of those things happening mm. together, mm. and I really love that. I thought it was such a, you know, it really ticked all those community boxes, yeah, privacy boxes, and so many other things as well. I just thought it was fab. Yeah. So what a fascinating area to be involved in right now as the world changes, right? Yeah. And challenging. You've got existing stock that has its you know it's been yeah. built a certain way and That's but yeah it definitely feels like the way we're living and working is changing so rapidly but who knows if we have this conversation again in a year's time or three years time things could be massively different again right yeah absolutely and they probably will be should keep us interested well we wish you well with the next evolution of this business joe i know your passion for really having an impact with people and creating beautiful spaces for people to live in. And as you say, the psychological and mental and emotional benefits of that are not to be underestimated, right? So yeah, thank you for coming on and talking to us and inspiring people to follow that passion. And and also I think to go back and join the dots, right? If you're if you're in that space of questioning of like, hold on a minute, I've always loved this. I've always loved that. And I've always loved that. Like, how do I put these pieces together and be brave enough to take the leap? Yeah, absolutely. You've got to do that because you can't, don't, don't try and do something new and think you've got to start from the bottom. You're never starting from the bottom because whatever you've done before, you've got experiences and knowledge and, you know, pieces of the puzzle that you can help to get you to this point. It's massively important because it takes away so much of that imposter syndrome if you can do that. Yeah, absolutely joining the dots <laughs> well thank you for joining us and we wish you every success with the business i'm sure it will go from strength to strength and i can't wait to see what you do next thank you lisa it's been All really right. lovely to talk to you <laughs> take care bye bye thank you for listening to visionary collective podcast with lisa mitchell if you want to be part of this exciting bigger movement come and join other amazing visionary purpose-led entrepreneurs in my free facebook group the visionary collective 